sit back in your seats, get something to eat, and watch this movie. Don't let the kitties see it, because, well, let, let, we'll let you hear the, the, the um, video first. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Left of the Projector. I am your host, Evan, back again with another film discussion from the left. I appreciate everyone's support who makes this show possible. And as a reminder, you can help cover the cost through a Ko-Fi or Spotify subscription for just a couple dollars per month. Please take a moment to rate the show on Spotify or Apple, as well as clicking the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. The podcast is also available on YouTube under Left of the Projector Pod, where we will stream every episode in full video for your enjoyment. There is also a brand new merch store where you can check out logo tees and other really fun designs. Those are available at leftoftheprojectorpod.threadless.com. And last but not least, follow along on Instagram and TikTok at, you guessed it, Left of the Projector Pod. Enjoy the show. Thank you for joining today. We are going to be discussing the movie Newsies, which came out in 1992, as well as a side note of uh, Norma Ray. And here to discuss it with me, I have uh, Chris Wade. Thank you for joining me, Chris. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I know, uh, you know, you can quickly, you know, people may be familiar with your work with uh, Chapo, Trap House and Hell on Earth, but you might have a couple other projects you're working on you want to mention, and then we can jump in yeah of course so i produce chapo trap house the uh now long-running uh you know lefty comedy uh commentary podcast news and culture podcast uh through that we just launched a uh history series that i do with one of the um co-hosts there matt chrisman uh we've done two series now the second one is called hell on earth and it is a history of specifically the 30 years war uh but kind of longer the uh, general crisis of europe in the 17th century and uh as we try to phrase it the uh bloody demise of feudalism and the uh birth of capitalism during it so uh that's all on chapo trap house's patreon then i also do some uh podcasts with my wife molly uh we do a music podcast called and introducing which we uh structure around musicians memoirs and then we've also been reading the entirety of infinite jest in podcast form and we are about two episodes out from finishing that book that show is called infinite cast uh, where we have just read the book on Mike and then talked about it. Oh, that's a that's a monster of a book. I, I read that years ago. I don't know if I feel like I need to digest it a bit more. That's uh that'll well, be interesting. The podcast I, will help. The, yeah. the goal of that it was a, it was a peak uh like quarantine uh we like to think of it as like kind of a shit post of a podcast uh where we were like cuz everybody was always arguing online about, you know, uh, is uh, David Foster Wallace bro literature and Molly was the one who had read Infinite Cast, Infinite Jest before I had. I had never read it before, so we kind of decided as a joke to see like she would read it to me as a fan of it, and we'd figure out if it, Infinite Jest was uh was good for boys or not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I th- and I now it's been it a two and a half year project to finish, so we're we're just rounding rounding the last few ups now. Awesome. Well, that sounds super cool. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we are here to discuss uh, the movie Newsies, um, Disney movie from the early '90s. It was a complete box office bomb. It budget was 15 million. It only made about three, 
probably not even that much on, you know, I can't imagine this was like a DVD sale. I read know. somewhere that it, it eventually made up its, bu- it became such a cult hit that it like eventually made up its budget on, oh, it video, okay. on video sales and video rentals. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. I guess Kristen Bale can feel a little better about his early, early work. Well, I, w- I want to talk about how this, I, I imagine this affected Christian Bale's uh, career a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, so just as a, a side note, I don't know if any, you know, for people who haven't seen it, it is um, a quick, you know, Wikipedia breakdown of the movie. It's basically takes place in 1899, New York City. And it's main plot is basically a group of you know, newsies, the people who, the kids actually, who distribute newspapers for the new world are uh, tired of a increase by William Randolph Hearst, who owns the paper. Pulitzer. And Pulitzer. Oh, Pulitzer. Sorry, right. William Randolph Hearst is the competitor to Pulitzer. Yes. Uh, and so they end up going on strike because of the increase in the cost of their papers. And it follows Christian Bale, as well as uh, Bill Pullman, who plays the uh, newspaper reporter who helps them kind of push their message out there. And Rob Duvall is Joseph Pulitzer, also a masterful performance. But yeah, what what, what were you going to say about um, Christian Bale? Because he did great in this movie. He's he's awesome. This Well, I just say like baseline. This movie is delightful. Uh, and it is kind of funny that it was such a bomb because it has, it is like, hits all the points that you would want of a, a labor, a, like an uplifting labor narrative, but it has that slick Disney sheen and the Alan Menken music and the, the wonderful choreography, so many bell kicks and yeah. like all that, like 1899, like, like new, new York news boy. Like it's, it's just, I, I, I think this movie is, uh, really fun. And Christian Bale is really good in it in one of his first major roles. But I do think that the bombing of this movie and I think his relative embarrassment to be like a a, a doing musical theater type stuff uh, means that basically every role he took after this is some kind of uh, like uh, creepy weirdo, Uh, (laughs) you know, like like intense, an intense freak is basically the uh, the kind of guys that Christian Bale has wanted to play basically ever after this. He has never played just a ni- a nice a nice guy trying to do nice things, you know? No. And he's and he's became like so in you know intense in his method acting. You know, yeah. I've read articles about how he steeps himself in every movie role he's done. So it's really yeah. the opposite of this. And yeah, I think yeah, I think he like, kills it. Oh, oh! The, my attempt to be a, a a leading man in a musical failed. Uh, I guess I better be American Psycho. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm just gonna you know kill people with axes instead yeah. of you know push labor upon uh, you know <laughs> yes. my, my fellow yes. friends. But yeah, the so obviously the most obvious glaring theme in this movie. I mean, it's the the point of the movie is organized labor. It's this group of children who are pre any of the you know, labor laws that I'll kind of mm-hmm. mention too, I think are interesting, you know, when those came about. So it kind of shows us what the uphill battle that, you know, kids, let alone any worker was facing because simultaneously, there's also a strike of of an older group of people like adults, and yes. they are violently prevented from organizing yeah there there's a um a scene that takes place during basically a because the thing that inspires them in it is the idea that there's like a trolley worker right. strike right and there's there is a scene where there's like basically a trolley workers riot right in the, mm-hmm. the, it happens yep. kind of in the background but you get a sense of it yeah again for a disney production it the, the thing that really jumps out of this is like how many elements of you know early working conditions brutality it really touches on 
you know, the fact that these kids are mo- mostly not just like, oh, we, we need an extra we need an extra hand getting the money in for the family. It's like they're all orphans. They're all abandoned. They have been like they're literally falling through they falling through the cracks of society. They're being kept in these like boarding houses or worse, these like juvenile pr- for profit prisons. <laughs> it's yes. like and it again, it all has like a little bit of that, like, you know, shiny cheeked Disney uh, uh, gloss to it. But it's all there. I mean, they get beat up. They get brutalized by cops. It's like it's. It it does for a Disney movie. It doesn't pull punches, you know. But they're singing and dancing in their little yes, exactly. uh, house, so it, it's uh, it's okay that they're living in a room that's basically like a glorified hostel, you know. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. Well, so the, the one character in this movie, I mean, we can talk more about the labor. But I guess let, let me bring this up first. So, a quick like twenty second history of sort of like labor for children's labor mainly is that you know this was in eighteen ninety nine. It wasn't until four years later in nineteen oh three that any state passed any kind of legislation to protect children. It was Illinois. And then it was not till 15 years later after that, 1916, where we had the Keatings-Owen Act to prevent you know, factories from mm-hmm. employing people that were under, 20, under 14, but the Supreme Court overturned it. So mm-hmm. there's still you know, no real protections for kids. And then we finally had the Fair Labor Standards Act in, in 1938, which was upheld by the Supreme Court bringing us 40-hour work weeks, you know, mm-hmm. union, strength of unions, all these different things. So it really was a struggle. So for kids to do this in 1899, it's pretty yeah, impressive. Yes. Um, yeah. And I guess, I mean, I, I will say that I mostly know this history specifically from this movie and I'm sure it is embellished in a lot of ways, but apparently they they pull a fair amount from the real history down to like individual kids names yeah, they did. that, that uh, appear in the, in the film. Yeah, and one of the kids, I think that you mentioned kind of all of the kids are mostly uh, runaways, you know, um, orphans, except mm-hmm. for one. It's yes. uh, the kid, David, who is supporting his family because yes. his father lost his job because he got injured and they're fired. So mm-hmm. they do show us these little glimpses, even through the Disney sheen, as you said, of what it's like to actually have to support yourself at this time. Yeah, you get you get a little a nice little cross section of the kind of like downtown poverty. <laughs> what, what am I, the downtown poverty scene that makes it sound like, you know, it's a, 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 like I'm talking about dime square or something, but no, I'm, but you know, like you see this, the, this family that lives in a tenement um, that, you know, is the dad was be a factory laborer, but can't work right now. So the two kids have to go out and pick up the slack, getting newsy jobs. Um, you see, you know, kids that are, as we were saying earlier, largely abandoned. You see a little bit of like the, um, I like the scenes that are in the the kind of uh, performance houses, the 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 vaudeville uh, houses to see all the all these places as like collections of uh, uh, you know um, poor people or uh, places where where uh, poor people would go for entertainment or even like live there or work there, you know. So you, you get a a kind of little cross section of the kind of people that would end up in this uh, profession. This like clearly. Uh, n- absolutely non-regulated profession that is, that is exists solely between this like weird contractual uh um relationship between the newspapers and these boys these children pulitzer knows he's exploiting them and he's even given advice to not do what he's going to do yeah i mean like that's kind of like what sets up the strike initially is that his advisors are saying if you raise the price they are going to flip their shit yes. they are going to rebel and he's like you know what 
I'm going to do it anyway because I'm the capitalist. I'm the guy who owns this paper. They will listen to me. And he ends up probably losing more money than it would have cost him to just pay them slightly yes. more. Well, I, I think that, and that's kind of like the fun fantasy element of this uh, when you're thinking about, you know, labor narratives is that a like children can afford to be more rebellious in a weird way because you know they have less of a sense of i don't know adult responsibilities and also um kids are little pricks and they they do tend to do what they want so it, it, putting a a labor story onto a group of uh you know teen preteens and teen children is it, it adds that fun rebellious spirit to it you know well i think that's actually a really interesting point of them kind of being more willing to take a risk. And so we also, in as a, I mentioned that we also watched Norma Ray, which mm -hmm. came out much more recently than that. And yes. it's the, the plot of that movie is a strike in a small town in North Carolina at a, um, uh, textile, like, you know, mill, text, yeah. textile mill, right. And they are much more hesitant mm -hmm. to go on strike because they fear losing their job. Whereas these kids, have that rebellious, nothing to lose attitude. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's literally nowhere else for the kids to go than to do do this. So it's like there, there's not really any sense of you know what what can be lost here, other than maybe through that David character who's like supporting his family. But yeah, especially in the type of town that the the film of Norma Ray uh, portrays, where the entire like at least from what we gather through the the film, the entirety of the town's prosperity is wrapped up in this single textile factory. So it's like if if the people aren't you know making their living off of this there's literally nothing to do. And the town is already portrayed like on the edge of desperation. Uh yeah. I think in a, a a very interesting way. A, a way that will become much more ingrained in our our cultural understanding of these kinds of towns in the latter part of the 20th century, but you know, it's interesting to see you know already in the late 70s in Norma Ray the the kind of portrayal of a collapse of those kinds of places which should have been or used to be even like a decade before you know the the uh wellsprings of american prosperity and this town yeah. is already like very clearly uh declining in some significant way yeah just as an aside so norma ray uh it was was came out in 1979 and it was based on a book which came out i think in 1975 so we're talking like you said late 70s before reagan before mm -hmm. even further destruction of union workers and i actually also when i was watching norma ray i was you know looking at the union membership and mm -hmm. in 1985 about this is a few years after norma ray there's about 80 uh, 22% union membership and when you look yeah. at today and it's about 10 or slightly even less than that. Maybe it's yeah. gone up a tiny bit since 2020, but you can clearly see that slow destruction of those towns just at the union membership numbers. You know, I kind of suggested Norma Ray as a, as a compliment to Newsies just because there are so few like fiction films about uh, labor organizing uh, in, the, in America, and it just seemed—I'd never seen it before, so it seemed like a good excuse to watch it. Um, but it is interesting watching it in the context where it—you know—her Norma's ability to or, or work to unionize her factory is the triumphant climax of that film. But it also is like shrouded in a, a kind of weird melancholy, like the very last shot where the camera just pulls away and she's still standing alone in. Uh, 
the uh in the middle of the street for the entirety of the credits like seven minutes or something it, it ends with this like very you know melancholy moment and it does feel like this is just one small success among a larger trend of collapse uh and and in that way you know even the the individual story of this town and the factory is is triumphant but it, it does still feel situated in a larger story of dis- of of the a trend of despair you know yeah i think i think going back to you know i i should have maybe uh you know continued on with the the newsies piece but in newsies you obviously again it's a musical so that's the 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 backdrop of the movie but it gives the sense of you know more uh what's the word just there, there's a, a, po- a more positive attitude from their success at the end yes. of newsies whereas probably beginning in 1900 when that movie takes place or right before the next 40 50 years is the rise of organized labor yes. and then whereas norma ray is like the, is like like yeah. the tipping point where it that line goes down so yeah and so it does yeah the the, the form of the musical does lend itself well to you know the 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 historical trend there uh you know you 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 want these this is a period where through hard fighting you are gaining victories that have lasting impact like these child labor laws although we now seem to be uh at at concluding the century of regulated child labor as (laughs) as that comes back it's coming back in a big way Yes, yes, Arkansas is like, yep, you can uh you can work uh, yeah. uh if you'd like to or we need uh we need to make Newsies 2 set in this year, but uh among the meat packing plants of Arkansas, meaties yeah. or something. And Sarah Huckabee, I guess, is like the the yeah the the part of the villainous landscape of that. Yeah, she w- I guess she would be the uh the Pulitzer, not the governor of New York who does show up at the very end of Newsies. T- Teddy Roosevelt ro- rolls <laughs> yes. through. I actually, you know, I love that. Yeah, it, it's a, a, a very funny moment because, you know, he he rolls up and it's supposed to be this like triumphant cameo, and it's also you know fun movie magic of being like, oh look, a historical figure I recognize, but it's also like, what could you have done anything to help this throughout any part of it? No, you're just showing up at the end and being like, wow, you got you you crazy kids really pulled something off here. Why do you want to go go to ride in my electric carriage? Well, the thing that's so funny about the the. The, that whole aspect is we kind of, well, let me go back one step too, because we talked yeah. a little about the labor, but we have, you mentioned it briefly as like the, the for-profit prison kind of pipeline that I yes. think is shown in this movie, which I never really noticed it. I think when I watched the movie years ago, and of course I notice it now, but we see basically there's like a subplot where it's called the refuge. It's where they send mm-hmm. kids that are troubled or they can, you know, send them there until their adult age. And there's this kind of agreement where the justice system along with the, um, the courts are basically owned by the, yeah. it's all one big little handshake behind the uh, agreement that they're going to fund them so they can mm-hmm. send more people to the prison. And Teddy is, he knows this. Yes. But they, he makes it like a big show of like, oh, I, I can't believe they're doing this behind my back. But really, it just because it became so big, there's yes. such a disruption to, to the city that they have to act. Yeah, the refuge stuff also uh, stuck out to me on the, on this rewatch because it, you know, it is so, it is so so well put to use in this in that it can be such a narrative driver while also being an effective commentary on that thing because it's like. Because Christian Bale Jack has had 
uh, a run-in with law before and has ended up in this prison, but now he has escaped from it or and has to be like operating under an assumed name, which puts him at further, you know, it, it puts him in further conflict with the law and like then puts pressure on his unionizing activity activities. So it, it's just a, a fairly effective portrayal about how all these institutions conspire to, you know, put as much pressure on this, you know, already impoverished child uh, as possible against uh, forming any kind of, you know, collective action and how it can be used as a cudgel against the, uh, against these kind of leaders. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what they, they needed to eliminate the, the voice of the movement, you know, fire, mm-hmm. put him in jail, whatever means necessary. Cause they clearly, the violence against them. So they don't really, they don't say this, but I kind of got the sense that they obviously were hiring some kind of outside force, Pinkertons or mob that was breaking up the strike, or do they say what what it was? I mean, the thing that I they've they've got definitely got their goons, and they've got their like older the older boys who work in the distribution room who are like the 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 child capos, you know, who are like the the uh, <laughs> exactly the, the, the bad teens who work for the man. Uh, and then they have cops who the 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 goofy Keystone cops and like the long gray trench coats and the big dome hats with their billy clubs who uh, who you know come in at the direct order of Pulitzer uh, and bust them up. And there are a bunch of really great scenes, you know, cartoonishly must mustache twirlingly evil. But I mean, again, it's like it's a cartoon, and that's how you want to show it. Like I love the scene where uh, Pulitzer's going around his like cigar poker game, introducing every single. Uh, newspaper man and being like, see, we're all in this together, coordinating to crush the little man. And now I order you, the cops, to help me as well. I mean, that's I mean, that's just like it's such a good depiction of like the smoky back room yeah. where, you know, yeah, it's the- literally a smoke filled back room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's like almost on the nose to the point of like, I'm amazed sometimes that Disney even put this out in the sense that they did. Yeah. I mean, I guess. It's it's funny thinking about this uh, at the time because again it makes sense as a in one way as a Disney movie because you've got a bunch of kids who are your targets anyway they're all banded together they're doing something triumphant in a realistic way that you could kind of wrap you like like it, on paper it makes sense as a Disney movie and yeah. I mean I guess you know, I I can't. Um, you know, I can't imagine that that at that time in the early '90s, anybody in the Disney move, mood or uh, boardroom was really like, "Now, are we going to be indoctrinating kids into uh, <laughs> anti-corporate policies too much?" Or it's like, "Eh, this is about news newspapers. Kids aren't going to kids don't put this stuff together. This happened a hundred years ago. Who cares?" Right? I, I, These I aren't sort of, real issues anymore, especially in the early '90s. You know, that's true. You kind of the 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 place at which this kind of labor movement was, was yeah. basically destroyed. So they're like, let them have this little, yeah. this little, uh, this is a for- quaint thing that happened sometime in our history, you know, not, not an active, alive issue that's happening now. It actually almost to it actually in the sense of like being relevant, I almost feel like Norma Ray is maybe more of the su- well, surprise that they make it in the sense that it actually does have relevance at that time. Yeah. It's, that's a real interesting one because that was like a pretty minor hit at the time. Nom- 79 nominated for best picture. Sally Field gets her, her best actress Oscar from it. Yep. And one year later, uh, Reagan is elected. It just feels directly against the uh, cultural current at the time, at the time. But again, 
but it's it's set concurrently like it's it's not set in the distant past this is right. it, it's set as like this is a modern day late 70s american town so it, it does really come off strike strike me as a a very interesting artifact from that era where it seemed like the the main current of american political culture was going very much against what that was you know yeah it definitely felt more of a i don't want to say rebellion against it but definitely like pushing the against the narrative of the time whereas i feel like yeah. newsies was just like like you said it's a quirky movie about some kids who pull off a great thing and there's a happy yeah. ending for everyone which there really isn't a happy ending they're happy ending briefly in the movie but we know that they're going to continue to have to like the 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 concessions they got like the actual yeah real like thing isn't really that great <laughs> no yeah i mean again because they're like that what they they don't they don't take the half penny increase per 250 papers or whatever he was going to do but they still have to like work for pennies on a pay pennies per page moving these uh being the distribution network for for this uh you know multi-million dollar publishing company yeah i think the only other concession that i think i, I don't think they mentioned in the movie but it's on like the wikipedia page of the real story is that they could sell back the papers they didn't sell Okay. Which was like a thing that they kind of talk about at the beginning. I think when when um, they're kind of teaching, uh, you know, the new the new uh, uh, David his yeah, like yeah. how to do it. Like when they're teaming up, he's saying like, "Oh, you know, uh, Jack's like you have to sell. You don't you if you take too. Like he's very he takes a yeah. hundred papers every time. He's like kind of the cocky yeah. guy. Well, that's because he's so good at making up headlines. Yes. Well, this is also a, it's also funny that that you know obviously obviously that is portrayed as heroic, but you know the, the, this is the the origins of the lie and fake news media. You know, I, I tried to like. They, there's a point where they show the chalkboard at the station or at the newspaper yeah, yeah. with all the actual headlines, and it was mostly the trolley strike. And what they were trying to do is get that off the front page mm-hmm. and get more sensationalized headlines. It feels very much like how they're not covering the uh the strikes in Paris for example. A, yeah, exactly. There's there's that scene where he's having dinner with the uh with David's family and they're asking him about the business and he's like, "Yeah, you know, certain words really help move." And he's like looking straight at their teenage daughter like corpse, <laughs> death, <laughs> nude. <laughs> and, you know, it's the same thing. He's he's de- he's developing early uh early 20th century clickbait, you know. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I'm sure that's how papers were sold in the yeah. sense of, yeah, I mean, the whole bit where he's he's being being like a huge fire in Gulf Ellis Island, and the kids reading the story behind him being like trash fire on barge in in the bay, and he, like Jack's like thousands flee in terror, and it's like, and he's reading it being like flock of seagulls seen flying away. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's well, that's actually an interesting point that I I just. I think I thought when I was watching it is that most of the kids actually seem to be able to read like yeah. Jack can read. And I don't know if I would say that that's accurate. I mean, I don't, I didn't look up statistics on. Yeah. literacy. Alone. I mean, well, I would imagine again, this is just like wild speculation, but you know, I would imagine that, that there's would probably be some kind of like internal, you know, passed down from kid to kid. Like if you, you're going to need to know how to read these headlines, if you're going to do this job kind of thing. Um, yeah. And there might've been like, Again, this is me pulling from like when I was, uh, you know, any time that that I was reading about this. You know, there might have been like small informal schools that they you could attend part time and stuff like that in the in the Bowery. Yeah, I, I was trying to see if I could see what the approximate rate was then, but yeah, it was the. It seems 
the literacy rate isn't as low as I thought. It was only about in 1919, which is what I saw. It's something like 13% of the population was illiterate, which actually is pretty good. Yeah, for I mean, uh, 87% yeah, for literate rate. I mean, pre mass media. Yeah, that's that's more than I would have assumed. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how it was, but it makes sense though because if you wanted to do this job, you would have to teach each other to read. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's like you said, they're passing knowledge from from one mm. kid to the other. Uh, uh, we'll see. Other thing I was going to mention too. It, it seems like Pulitzer. Well, uh, maybe 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 going back from Pulitzer, I think it's interesting that the sort of the uh, the good guy, Bill Pullman, who's Brian Denton, the newspaper yeah. reporter. It's sort of interesting that that's the, I don't want to say good guy, but you know, in quotes, the good guy is helping these kids do it. But at first I'm like, oh, is he doing this simply because he's a writer and he, you know, that's, this might will sell papers. But then it does seem like he comes to feel for the kids. He's clearly wealthy and he's like, oh, yeah. what can I do to help these kids? It's that that point is a little muddled because it's also it it's it's somewhat portrayed that he is taking on this story because the paper he works for sees it as a wedge they could use against their competitor, against Pulitzer's papers. But then also right. he has that like crusading, muckraking journalist bend to him. So I get, it, it's kind of hand waved around, but I guess it's the assume, assumption is that he's assigned the uh, the story uh, so that his editors can get a jab at Pulitzer, and then he truly believes in it. Um, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not not a super necessary character, but you know, you you love to get a little Pullman in there. It's it's he's yeah. a nice presence. Yeah, I thought. I mean, it makes sense because it really was the only way they were able to get the story on the front page. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what got Pulitzer's attention. Like, cause clearly he could just keep having his police force, you know, beating the crap out of the kids and eventually they would break, but having it be in the, like in papers and he's not covering it. Like it makes him look bad. It's a nice touch that in the, the third act, they like, Break, basically break into to a Pulitzer printing press and print their own paper with news of the strike to get the word out. And that's the thing that like really gets them over the head just or, or over the top to like the final confrontation is being able to, you know, mass print and mass distribute strike li uh, literature on Pulitzer's printing presses, uh, you know, using the uh, using the tools of, of Pulitzer to see to seal his own demise. Yeah, it's interesting. And I know just because you mentioned that's how they kind of got the word out on what was happening. Like the the on the side of like the Norma Ray film, the people who are working there are constantly trying to battle to disseminate information. Yes. And this is obviously pre-internet. You know, they're typing up flyers and trying to put them into the factory. And so it's there's always that struggle, I think, to compete between what the what the company wants the message to be versus what's happening. It, it's it's amazing how much those things are still still with us. You know, I, I was I'm thinking about like when you know the the attempts at the Amazon uh, facilities to unionize. Um, how much reports out of there you would see that. You know, obviously, Amazon is a hugely powerful, not just like physical distribution company, but information distribution company and how much they are able to muddle the messages and, and control and how the battle over getting information out about how these strikes work, what's at stakes, what the company can and cannot do um, is, is still very much with us in, in 2023. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the eternal battle of, of 
trying to figure out exactly what your rights were. And that's actually one of the things that I liked that I got most of the kick, a, a big kick out of in normal Ray is, um, Ruben, the, uh, the Jewish New York coastal elite, uh, organizer who comes down to the town. Who's, who's great. Uh, just, really displays how one of the uh, the best things that unionizing gets you is the legal right to be a prick to your bosses. Yes, yes. They well, and the thing that struck me too in the in the in talking about the rights is they're constantly saying like you broke this law, we're going to take it to a judge. Mm-hmm. I feel like if that kind of thing happened now, they would just be like try you know, go ahead and try. Yeah. I it's, mean, I I don't know. Again, I'm a little a little out of my de- depth here, but yeah. my understanding is that it, it those kinds of things of being being like we can get a suit uh going about this kind of violation does tend to get people to step off really clearly because right. if you know what you are doing you know the the the, the rights are, pr- are pretty clear and it, it does seem to be a huge hassle but you have to know what you're doing which it takes like dedicated basically it has to become your job to know your labor rights yeah i mean ruben was like dedicated to living in a motel, like to the point of (laughs) just, you know, that, that, that I found his character. I know we jumped to normal right back, but his character is really quite amazing. I mean, obviously normal Ray is too, but his, yeah. Like the very first introduction where he meets normal Ray's father, he's like, you know, you're either a a Jew or or a communist or a, you know, trying to sneak in here and, you know, muck up our, our, our lives. But I think, Yeah. And he and he has to be like, well, yes, but I think that I have something to offer you. Right. Exactly. I, I, I love that in that movie, the, you know, the people are slowly convinced, whereas I feel like in Newsies, there isn't much convincing. Well, yeah, because it's a musical, you sing one song and everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, all right, that song convinced me. <laughs> That's true. That is true. It's a, yeah, it's I mean, the- they are, they are interesting compare and contrast to that because Again, again, it is like the ho- the hope and the despair, right? Because it's like the the application of the form of the musical gives you all these conventions that allow it to take an easy narrative, and people get easily convinced. And then you have like you know your minor setbacks, and you're like, I want songs. It, 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 it like fills a form, but it makes it you know more triumphant and, and in, inspiring. But it's also like again because it's a musical, you don't see like it is pretty shiny and you don't see the, like the full degradation of their work life. And even though there is like a crippled kid named crutchy, he seems like pretty fine. He's like doing, you know, big like twirls and kicks and stuff. It's like, they're all like, you know, they're ragamuffins, but adorable ragamuffins. Whereas like in normal Ray, the factory they look, they work in looks like hell. It looks, you know, it, it looks like everything's like filthy and disgusting. And they haven't cleaned any of these uh, machines. It's loud. And genera- it's, like loud. it's so loud. Yes. Uh, it, it, and it's like, you know, and it has that, that seventies film grittiness to it that really makes you live in the, uh, the, the degradation that these people have to to suffer every day in, in a much more real and visceral way. But then also, you know, the, the triumph of actually making it work is, is feels momentary and, and, you know, not as, um, you know, as as fulfilling as a a giant uh musical curtain call where wave after wave of adorable newsboy comes out and do like flips and hops and then throws their papers in the air you know i mean the thing in the other thing in newsies that i found interesting um and maybe going through not you know plot point by plot point but they they all live in manhattan so the newspaper Mm -hmm. that they're in manhattan they have to basically like bring together all of the boroughs yes exactly different newsies to 
you know, Spot being the one who lives in Brooklyn. And I also love the kind of the depiction of Brooklyn generally, like that it's like in that time period, it was like the tough place. Like, yeah, like the kids are like more are like feral there in a way that they are in Manhattan. (laughs) Living by the, you know, living on the docks, you know, shooting, you know, their little uh, uh, slingshots. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think it's a cool, uh, well, cool maybe isn't the right word, but I think it's a funny depiction, especially given now, you know, where Brooklyn is, parts of Brooklyn might still be yeah like this but <laughs> no it is, it is funny that it is uh, that it, it you know i mean it was uh, i don't even know when the unification happened i think right around them though where like brooklyn would have been a totally different city uh, uh city and i guess all the uh the comb kids are probably distributing the eagle the brooklyn paper yeah uh yeah but but yeah it is like a, to- a totally foreign land to them where they're they're all scared of them but they hey they have to bring everybody together in citywide solidarity. And they do. I mean, it seems like they're able to convince them to join the strike. And then we mm-hmm. see even that set of newsies isn't enough. And so like sort of the culmination point later in the movie is all of the other kids that are working at other factories, worse mm-hmm. jobs, you know, like you think yeah. the newspaper guy is a pretty low paid job, but at least you're outside. You're not manually it's still manual labor or physical labor, but a different sense of yeah. manual labor. And yeah, it's uh they finally bring everyone in the town. This basically, they have to basically, it's like a general strike in some sense. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's going to be, it's hard to find people who are more sympathetic to, uh, to do a walkout for than a bunch of like crippled 12 year olds. I think another interesting thing about it, just in terms of like the building solidarity, I also like, the the little arc in Newsies where they like try to basically corrupt Jack and are are like oh there's two things here that I find really interesting is is a that so that they bring him in and they're like all right if you you know basically cross your own picket line betray your own uh, strike we're gonna get get you this nice suit uh, we're gonna fund your uh, your actual dream which is of course to go out west. To uh, you know, find you know identity and real source of you know entrepreneurial po- prosperity in where does Jack want to go? Santa, this fantasy of Santa Fe, New Mexico, out out where you know one can you know actually escape the the labor pressures of the of East Coast urban life to a some self some sense of imagined or possible self sufficiency uh, out in the American frontier. I, I thought that was interesting too, is that they really, because he's initially beating up the scabs, like they're yeah. going after them and then he becomes one. And it does seem like he is conflicted where at first he does seem like he's going to go along with it. Yeah. But then he does obviously go, go back on it and helps them get to the printing press so they can print it out. So he did seem conflicted. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is attempt. Uh, you get why it is a tempting offer, especially if the idea is to that he wouldn't even have to like live with his decision. Really, he would be able to create, a, like, leave the city and create a new life for himself in a place of relative anonymity. Uh, and it is like like the offer to, you know, per- for personal success versus uh, staying with group success. And even towards the end of the movie. There's an, another fake out where the idea is potentially like again when Te- Theodore Roosevelt sh- or Teddy Roosevelt shows up, they're like, "Oh, go take a ride with with Mr. Roosevelt." They're like, "I guess he's gonna 
help him get out to Santa Fe. And then he comes back. He's like, nah, I'm going to stick with you guys. Yeah, that that was a nice little touch. Like they feel like they're betrayed by him again. Like they're betrayed by him. But he's like wanted at that time. They're like, he, you know, he deserves to go do what he wants. He helped us. He helped us win the strike. But, you know, he he comes back to, to his boys in the end. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps he made the 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 wrong choice. I mean, he succeeded in helping them get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. It seems, you know, is it reasonable for him to get something for himself? Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, you know, the the question that it's left open, you know, in the the in this film, he's what, like 17 or 18 or something. Yeah. He is at the end age of what a newsie would be. It's unclear what his future in New York is. I mean, maybe uh, Bill Pullman takes him under his wing and turns it into an actual newspaper man or something like that. But, you know, I, that is the other the 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 question for me now that like looms over the movie is like, OK, so you you secured marginally better life for these children at the time but then where where do they go from there you know like like what happens to 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 a newsie when they turn 18 in 1901 or whatever yeah i mean i guess they're only you know they go to the trolley or they go to the factory or they do that but i I guess they bring along with them a sense of i don't want to say revolutionary spirit might be too strong of a word but they have a sense that they can accomplish something. So these kids, you also, you all, the other thing that I was thinking of too is you, if you were a adult in the New York city, seeing that you weren't getting your paper, you're seeing that things are disrupted because of their eventual, yeah. you know, strike, it would seemingly give them a sense of like, Oh, well, if these, these kids can do it, we can do it. Yeah. I mean, you would, you would think, but I mean, it's, New York City labor history, uh, you know, this is 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 long and complicated. I mean, I was was just also thinking as I was watching this, you know, that it's not too far off. Like, if you're imagining these kids' life, they would all almost certainly live through things like the Triangle Shirtwaist fi- Fire, which would is twelve years off from this, uh, from the, yeah. the the time this is set, um, and probably you know some of their sisters mothers whatever would be it would end up in 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 that conflagration you know i i don't know i it, it it is a very rosy picture that this that this movie portrays but again that's that's the disney charm and perhaps that is part of the disney uh sub- subversiveness of this is being like and then they they figured it out and won and they didn't need to do anything after that and they could all just, just sing and dance in the streets you know yeah well that's a, that's this is a kind of a, a touches on a theme that I think I brought up in other episodes of more recent movies I think like I think of like Glass Onion and the menu in these movies where there is this like anti capitalist hint of leftist kind of thought within the mm-hmm. movie but none of those movies really intentionally so provide any kind of solution it's just like that's just the way it is yeah you know i mean I, I i think that those are interesting ones to bring up because i think of those that that recent batch of things where it's like the veneer is anti-capitalist but at its core it's you know you're you're just trying to be a pretty normal style you know like glass onion like oh we're gonna have a, a pretty normal classic agatha christie style murder mystery with and then put like a you know a a candy coating of of these signifiers of of 
leftism or anti-capitalism. Same with the menu, which at, at its core is like, wonder if you got invited to a creepy restaurant. <laughs> yes. And then like all the signifiers are, uh, you know, ha- have these like class anxieties on top of them where this is taking like a deeply class related story and concept and then putting the veneer of but this is like like frothy children's entertainment on top of it you know right right it's definitely a different i mean this being a kids movie and those being you know not kids movies it has a different way about them but yeah i find those movies not that i'd say i don't enjoy you know like the menu and those movies they're they're good movies and but they have that menu was fine i thought glass onion terrible yeah well I, w- I would agree. I like the menu a lot more than Glass Onion. Yeah. I found um, I did that was my the the previous episode or whenever this will air. Previous yeah, previously did Glass Onion and the there was kind of discussion not to harp on it too, but I think it brings in points, but only if you have to like suck it out of it, like you have to suck out the points that <laughs> yeah. trying to pull like literally pull back the onion and be like, okay, we know this movie had its strange and terrible problems. But maybe just maybe they were trying to do this, but of course yeah. they weren't. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's I've, well, now we're get, getting off talking about that. But yeah. it is like, I mean, I guess you could compare like the Edward Norton character in Glass Onion with the uh, Pulitzer character in Newsies as, again, these like cigar chomping vi- villains. And at this point, we have such a, a well crystallized cliche of the goofus tech billionaire as like a a, yeah. n- a new stock character of like evil capitalists as opposed to the uh which inherently has the as i said goofus element to it like th- this guy is a bumbling moron who has like lucked into something that they don't deserve whereas like you know the 19th century robber baron you know there's a lot of ways that you pre- see those characters portrayed but they are almost to a t uh smart crafty ruthless like they have you know uh, I, I was looking into Pulitzer a lot. You know, he, he's a Hungarian Jewish. He wasn't into poverty, like middle class Hungarian Jewish guy, who, you know, came to America and like built an, a legitimate empire, uh, you know, not, and not to oversing the uh, the praises of our, our capitalist media moguls. But look, like Pulitzer did something, you know, he, yes. he, he, he built he built something uh, uh, real and thus makes a more, I think, compelling villain even if he is portrayed again in like the cigar or the um, mustache twirling cigar chomping way even if you barely see him in this movie and i think duvall does a great job uh really leaning into the jewishness (laughs) of of pulitzer in this performance but but he does like when you see see him you you buy, buy like no i am correct i know how to run a business and i know that we can crush these children I'm not, I'm not going to, it's not even a contest. I, I, I'm going to destroy these children, you know, like it, it works. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I don't know if you use this word exactly, but like the modern billionaire kind of vision is like this car, it's like a cartoonishly evil person. Whereas yeah. in these old ones, it's actually someone who seemingly had to legitimately run a business. Yeah, Again, exactly. not to like side with their, the, you know, the person who's clearly exploiting children. Yeah, you know, exactly. Let's not be I mean, fair. that is He's... part of running the business of being like, you know, who would make a, a, the most efficient distribution mechanism for my paper, uh, children that I could pay pe- yeah, pennies, uh, to do this job for. Right. For exactly. Yeah. But yeah, to, but to, I think actually it's a good point on the, 
Pulitzer. I think I had some some I kind of notes on the just the general business interest. I know we maybe briefly talked about about this, but the the all of the systems. I mean, this is also magnified being again in New York City at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a major metropolis of business and you know new, many newspapers, competition, and everything. Mm-hmm. But we do see the way that it's sort of like they're, they're. I think at one point they refer to that it's a rigged deck. Why waste our time? They set the price. We got to pay. I, mm-hmm. I think it might have been Jack who said that, or maybe it was one of the other newsies. And so they see how it's already rigged. Like they understand this. Yeah. And I think that people in a sense have understand that now, like that mm-hmm. capitalism is not going to help them unless you are an evil person or you can get lucky or whatever it is. It's almost like then there was a more, you could see what it was. I guess capitalism hadn't grown to the point where it was difficult to even like put your finger on yeah. Does that make well, sense? Yeah. Well, I think at all times, you know, the the mechanisms of exploitation in the sense of them are intuitive. What is not intuitive is if you have any recourse against yeah. it, right? And so whether you're like again a, a child in, in 1899 or, you know, all these this whole community of adults in Seven in nineteen seventy nine, when we're thinking about Norma Ray, like they're the the convincing somebody they're getting screwed by their job, I don't think is that hard, and most people can figure that out on their own. That's the true. real leap that you have to take is the if there is something to be done, and if that something to be done is worth the gamble, and then if you've got the numbers for the gamble which is always the other thing. It's like, well, one person doing so. And then that's what makes all these stories so compelling. Something like Norma Ray is so compelling is that you can focus on this one person who has the heroic impulse to take it upon themselves to, to risk for it. But then it doesn't mean anything if they can't inspire and draw people around them. So it's, you know, the, I mean, ideologically it makes sense that we don't have more heroic labor films, (laughs) even though, in what we understand to be classic narrativizing, it, they seem like they should lend themselves so well to films. You get the chance for charisma- a charismatic main character, large ensembles, uh, you know, underdogs versus uh, uh, villains that you can portray as everything, anything from ruthless and conniving to uh, doofy blowhards. You know, it, it, it seems like it should be a, a good, clean narrative that we should get one of these types of movies like every like four or five years or something. But again, probably not in the best interest of, you know, the, the people who, who green light these kinds of things to, to pursue that, 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 uh, farm. Yeah. Making a movie now on an actual labor struggle. Like, I feel like the, the closest I think we've got in the last 10 years is probably sorry to bother you. Yes. I yes. think that's probably the one time it snuck through. And even then that one, I I think that movie is really awesome and interesting, but Agreed. even then, and it is very much about like labor exploitation struggle against it, but it is then wrapped up in its, its own like bizarre fantasia about how it portrays it, which is what the thing about that movie that is so cool and fun, but you know, it's, 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 it's not really like the, um, 
the process one. You know, another genre of movie like that I feel like this this dovetails into is almost like the newsroom process movie. You know, like a movie like Spotlight or All the President's yeah. Men, which is a, mo- a type of movie that I you, am a sucker for, where it's just like, you know, the drama is in the s- many small actions you have to take to tra- trace down this, build the story, find your sources, protect them, uncover the truths, get like, and each scene just like ratchets up one little piece of information, which is another another classic type of movie that I feel like would lend itself well to a labor organizing movie where it's maybe not even in the heroic struggle of a single person, but it's just like, all right, you're showing up at a factory. What is the first step? What's the next step? Who do you interact with? How do you overcome these small things? Like, like ratcheting everything up in a spotlight style film. I think that's another type of film that, that this kind of story could lend itself well to. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, like, if you look at, like, Norma Ray, mm-hmm. if that movie had been instead about, instead of been about the strike from the perspective of the people trying to strike, it had been the media coming to the town to yeah. uncover what was happening would be, a, would be a fascinating movie. And and Norma Ray does have some of that process stuff in it, and a, a lot of that stuff I think is very good, but... It, it, and I think one of the good things about that movie is how it balances like the personal stories of the people involved with the actual like process stuff that they're doing, but it doesn't quite have that, that like scene to scene because of this, we do this because of this, we do this. It, it more has like a collection of incidents. Yeah. There's it. lots of struggle. Like the father dies, it leads her yeah, down yeah. a different path and the whole, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, but yeah, spotlight's a incredible movie and yeah, we'd love to see, uh, a film like that because I don't I don't think Hollywood will allow yeah allow a movie that's straight up I mean you got you got to imagine like you could do something like that for like what Chris Smalls did with the Amazon factory you know and you could imagine like a kind of small scale like indie movie because so much of that would just be that him hanging out at that bus stop in Staten Island just talking to people and you know it doesn't wouldn't have to be directly him, but you know something based based on that kind of thing. But then when you think that now one of the big movie studios is Amazon, you're like, but then hey, maybe you could be the Bill Pullman film exec, being like, you know who I'm going to stick it to? Amazon by greenlighting a movie that I'm going to try to win an Academy Award for Best Picture about the unionizing <laughs> of a of a warehouse of Amazons. Yeah, you need you need another studio to stick it to the to the yeah. Bezos studio to uh, exactly. Yeah. That's that would be interesting. I'd like to see that. I mean, I think that's the the problem. I think with those movies like The Menu and Glass Onion again is that they not to belabor the point is that they try to do something, but they don't like get to it. They don't yeah. get you there, and it leaves you like wanting to see more as a yeah <laughs> cliche. Again, to bring it all back home, why why Newsies is kind of the more I watch it, the more I'm like, this is a kind of a miracle that it exists because you know, at, with like the first thing that I I said, it's like it all really is there. Like the whole every element of you know all the 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 things that you would want from a labor story, all the dirty tricks that they play, how how much the cards are stacked against the little guy. Um, you know all, all the things that we've talked about. How how tempting it can be be to betray your your cause for the your own personal gain. Like how are they going to use every element from you know the government to private resources to law enforcement justice to, like it, like it really the justice system. Yeah, it touches 
on everything and it's so miraculous that it's wrapped up in a uh disney musical you know yeah show, show this in schools at in exactly. elementary school and uh you know you might get some yeah I, I mean like i said i watched this with my kids my older daughter i think she was seven or eight i think we watched it during do your kids lockdown. respond to this do they do they respond to it? So yeah. my older one, we so she has she's not, uh, almost nine. She definitely. So we talk about like I try and bring in not even before the movie like healthcare, ambulance yeah. costs and these kinds of things like kind of slowly yeah. giving her things. And she basically said like it's not fair that they're treating these kids like shit. I mean that's yeah. that's the the message, and she definitely understands it. Yeah. I mean, but does she like it as a movie? Did she like like the songs and stuff? She did like the songs. I think yeah. my younger the daughter songs liked are, it a we had, That's one thing that we haven't talked about. The songs in this movie are awesome. I love the music. The Carrying the Banner song rips. Yes. Uh, the King of New York song, very good. Santa Fe, very catchy me- medley. There are a bunch of great dancing. Um, I, <laughs> I've seen the Broadway version of Newsies. Oh, uh, is it, was, how was it? It's good. Um, it's not, I don't think as good as the, uh, the movie, but it was fun to see live. You know, I live in New York. My, uh, my mom comes through every once in a while. She's like, what's good on Broadway. And usually she just wants to see whatever has like a famous person (laughs) in it. Uh, you know, whoever, whatever the biggest celeb is on Broadway, we go see that. And, you know, this one time I was like, look, I kind of like this Newsies movie. Why don't we go see Newsies on Broadway? She was not as into it probably because (laughs) no celebs in it, but, uh, I had a good time. Yeah, no, that sounds. I, I remember it. I don't know if it's it's not on Broadway anymore, right? It's. I off. think it only ran for two or three years. Okay, so it was a short-lived one. It, yeah, it, but it speaks to the enduring cult popularity of this. That after being one of, I believe this was Disney's at its time of release worst performing live movie, like it was uh, yep. non-animated movie of all time, and the fact that it, they came back and did a musical of it twenty years later, I mean, speaks to its enduring popularity. I think I first saw this maybe was when I was in like high school like hanging out with theater friends who were into like all the campy uh you know movie musicals and stuff and they were like oh you got to see newsies you know movies literally like camp yeah. you know that movie no i don't know that. Well, I, well that made me think of it's almost like they need the way to bring these movies back is to have like a version of a series of, of movies like this like high school musical yeah. but instead like labor musical you need like yes some kind of well, again, it's like you would have to set it in the past because more. Well, I guess it's it's coming back. I mean, I'm trying to think of like what the easiest like child labor thing. Maybe you could do a, a high school musical where an entire high school class uh, uh, strikes from applying to college to protest uh, the raising prices of higher education or something like that. Yeah. No. I mean, they have, or just the yeah, or a college strike. Maybe you know, strike mm-hmm. at a university itself for their yes. to not having to pay their their loans or whatever you know yes something. exactly yeah yeah loan loan forgiveness or loan uh, kind yeah, of thing like a, a debt strike in a college or something like that yeah i think that's about the best you're gonna you're gonna get um but chris do you have any any final final thoughts on the movie we didn't uh touch on in either normal ray or or newsies um no, two good movies uh, that I'm, I had a great time watching both of them last night. Uh, I think we, we really hit on uh, all of them. Obviously, Newsies is a lot of fun. Uh, Norma Ray, while having its moments of triumph, is more of a bummer, especially knowing like <laughs> its situational context in American labor history. Uh, but really worth seeing. And, and, you know, one of those like classic, like Oscar-y movies that I had never had a reason to check out before. And I'm glad that I uh, they took it off my list. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, 
a, a great double feature, I would say. And yeah, and again, it's a delight to see young Christian Bale uh, doing doing a wholesome routine after a lifetime of watching him only play intense weird intense creeps. The pipeline from Newsies to American Psycho is <laughs> yeah, not exactly. one not one you're going to see too, too often in film. Do you uh, have American Psycho on your uh, on your list? I actually uh, did it a couple. I actually did it like last month. I think that's another favorite of mine. That movie also rocks. Yeah, I did. So the the one that I want to do soon that is kind of in that same vein. I, I haven't done the Joker, which is one I want to uh, do. Yeah. I think I, I have some interesting. Not to don't bring that up here, but I have interesting thoughts on that movie, but. I haven't thought about that movie since since we watched it when it came out. The one yeah. that I don't think that I would ever. I I th- another movie I thought was fine, and I had no would have no desire to watch again because it wasn't very pleasant. It's a very intensely no. unpleasant movie. No, that that's part of yeah. It's the movies that I've been thinking about are just movies that are misinterpreted by the like just generally. I think American mm-hmm. Psycho is a perfect example of a movie mm-hmm. that's just greatly misinterpreted by most many people. <laughs> A certain the thing about American Psycho is it's so fucking funny. That movie is hilarious. But Chris, thank you uh, again for, you. for coming on. It's been great to have you on Left of the Projector. And uh, I know you already plugged any of your your podcasts, but any any other ones you didn't mention? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Chapo Trap House. You probably, if you're listening to this, you probably know know it. Uh, I am very very pleased with uh, the history series that we did for that. I think it's well worth checking out, even if you aren't into Chapo's whole thing. That's hell on earth. It's all on Chapo's Patreon right now. Um, you know, you can subscribe for one month for five bucks, download all those those history episodes, and just ha- have them if that's what you want to do. Um, they're all neatly collected under a tag on uh, Chapo's Patreon. Um, and then, yeah, check out and introducing an infinite cast that I do with uh, with Molly. Those yeah. are uh, fun and light, and we j- we just do those uh, because for the love of the game, for the love of podcasting, it's like a live book club. Book club, yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Chris, again, thanks for for being here and uh, have a good one. Yeah. Thank you.